like many of you, I'm sure, I've been wondering what it must have been like aboard some of the cruise ships where uh, they've not really been able to find a place to dock or let people off amid the coronavirus pandemic. Well, as it turns out, I have a friend who's had a firsthand experience in what it's like to be on a ship that nobody really wanted she is now finally back home in Springfield. She's doing great, by the way, but what a story to tell. Barbara McKean joins us live this afternoon. Barbara, it's so great to talk to you and so glad you're finally back here at home. Welcome. Well, thank you, Jim, and I am so happy to be home. Um, and my brother Malcolm was with me, and he is delighted to be home also. I, I'm sure. Now, this was supposed to be a long trip anyway, and I, I wish we had the kind of time to go through it all point by point by point, but I'm going to have you give me the, the Reader's Digest condensed version of this. When did you board the ship? What was the trip supposed to be, and, and what did it wind up being? Um, well, we flew to Auckland, New Zealand on February 27th, and remember, we lost the day because of the International Dateline. Um, so we got there on the 29th, and we boarded the ship on March 1st. Now, it's the Holland America Mazda that we were on. And the cruise was supposed to be 34 days. So we were, we were prepared. We were part of the group prepared for a long cruise. We had um, plenty of medicine. You know, we were fine that way. And it was supposed to be 19 ports. And we made it to five of the ports. To five. Then, five five to of the five. ports out of 19 were you. So you were supposed to be able to stop, disembark, see all these different places. Like, give me uh, examples of some of the ports where you were supposed to be stopping that you ultimately didn't didn't get to see. Um, we did. We There was a lot of ports in French, French Polynesia Islands because there's a group of islands. And we made it to one of the ports. Mm. And, and that one was the last one we actually got off on, I think it was March 12th, until we got off in San Diego last Friday, the 27th. And so we missed, and this is what I really wanted to see, um, in the group called Kiribati, there's an island called Christmas Island. And Kiribati is unique in that it's on the, um, above the equator, below the equator, um, in, actually in, uh, the Western Hemisphere and in the Eastern. It's really weird the way it sits in the Pacific Ocean. And I wanted to go there so bad because that's so unique. And then we were supposed to do five ports in Hawaii. And that, of course, is a story by itself. Now, now let me ask. Uh, now, this, again, and it's so hard to even think back this far now because March has been the longest month on record. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. But at, at, the end of February, early March, we knew coronavirus was happening. It hadn't really become a huge issue here yet, but we knew it was starting to be. Did, did you at any point have any qualms about getting on board the ship? Did you think maybe we shouldn't do this trip or what, what was going through your mind? Uh, well, I will, I'll go back to probably mid-February and I went for, um, a checkup at my regular family physician, and they asked me, they said to me, I mean, I knew Corona was going on, and they said to me, have you been out of the country in the last 14 days? And I was kind of taken back, and I had to count back because we had done a Christmas cruise, and so I was like, 14 days. Oh, wait, no, I, I've not been out of the country in 14 days. 
and that was fine. And then, and then I had to go to the Bayless building for just a little test. And they said, have you been out of the country in the last 30 days? Have you been to China, Japan, uh, South Korea? And, and again, I had to stop and think. And I said, no, not in 30 days. But I told Malcolm, I said, this is kind of weird that these people, you know, are asking me had I been out of the country. And so I even called my dentist office because I'm supposed to go there. Now realize I'm supposed to still be cruising. So I'm supposed to go there next Monday for just a regular checkup. And I said to them, this is in February, I said, do you want me to cancel these checkups that are scheduled? Because I am going out of the country. I'm not going to any of those big concerned countries, but I am going out of the country and I'll be gone a month. And she said, well, no, you know, uh, they really hadn't talked about it. And, of course, since then, we've gotten emails saying our appointments are canceled. So now, I was aware. Uh, the, now, when did they – so you, you were able to disembark on March 12th. After that, you weren't allowed no. to, to get off at any of ports. Was somebody on board your ship uh, sick? Did, did anybody on board your ship actually contract coronavirus? No. Um, that's right. When they closed the ship at Roar Tangle, when we got on after our tours, that was it. They, um, they closed the doors. They, they did allow a few people off who got flights, whose cruise was really ending because we didn't go to our final port for that part portion. And they let some people off, but there was never any more contact with people on the land. Um, I'm sorry, what was your next question? But, but I was asking, so did anybody actually get oh. sick on your ship? No, it, there there was, and it was discussed in a public meeting that there was one lady that did have strep throat, but she was purely diagnosed for strep throat. And it was very easy early in the cruise, and we obviously did 14 days, you know, pretty early, and they kept saying there's nobody sick, nobody sick. And when we got past that date, and we had a couple more, public meetings and they're saying there's nobody sick and there was no crew sick there were no passengers sick so we sailed the next whatever it would be 15 days knowing that there was nobody sick on our ship now uh, tell me about then the the mood of the pat do, do you have any idea roughly how many passengers were on board this ship this was a holland america cruise ship correct right it's one of the smaller ones that's that's in the line so there's two that are small like this and there were about 1,200 passengers to begin with, and 380 of them disembarked in Roatanka. So that left about 850, and forgive my counts if they don't match, about 850 people to do what was left. And we thought when we left Roatanka, we thought we were going to Hilo, Hawaii. So the passenger count was down. The crew was still, I think, 500 and something. Um, the, and everybody, you know, of course, at this point, we all know there's, this is all going on. But since we were virus-free, we were allowed to do almost everything in the ship like we normally would have, except that our cruise really wasn't happening because everything was canceled. That's, I know it's weird to say that. We were just simply then on floating transportation to get us home. 
How, yeah. What was the mood like everything. on the ship? What What were people saying when <laughs> you, you're spent? You're spending 15 days, you're supposed to be stopping at all these exotic ports. Instead, you're just on this ship. You can't get off for more than two weeks. Uh, are, are people getting restless, angry? How, how was the the crew of the ship in dealing with you? How what was what was it like on there? You know, in in the very beginning, when port started to cancel and we had our first public meeting. There, there were people who were angry, but they were more angry about, oh, I came here, you know, all this way from blah, blah, blah to do snorkeling or something. And I'm not getting this. And, you know, this is a cruise of a lifetime, and I want my money back and all this and that. And some other people spoke up and said, you know, there's people out there dying, and you're complaining because you're, you're losing a scuba diving trip. And kind of by the end of that meeting, I think some of those people that had anger going in were kind of like going, uh, yeah, okay, you know, my scuba diving is not the end of the world. My trip has changed. My plans have changed. But I'm safe. And so then after Rarotanga, or the next couple of weeks, people were, you know, we'd all kind of talk about it and maybe anxious to get home. And they had separate groups formed from different nationalities about how are they going to get home and airplanes and stuff like that. So, you know, there was definitely concern. And then when we got turned away from Hawaii, I think everybody got a little more anxious after that experience about what San Diego was going to do to us. But, again, we had the, the freedom of the ship. We, we really did everything. The, the staff from the captain down was great. Your cabin stewards, your dining room stewards, your cooks and everything, they were great. They were wonderful. They still gave us the good experiences that we have come to know and Malcolm and I have sailed Holland a lot and we didn't we did not lose a beat with those guys they and gals they were all wonderful the passengers if I heard some grumbling it was like well we don't have as many lectures or you know we don't have this or we, and it was like I was like guys you know cool it <laughs> you, you are safe you are sound you are alive you are healthy and you know, I- don't 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 complain to me. <laughs> we're, we're talking with Barbara McKean of Springfield. She's back home in Springfield finally after this cruise that was disrupted by coronavirus. Fortunately, not because they had it on board the ship, but because the concerns about it meant nobody was getting on or off the ship. And the, the ports of call were uh, then rendered off limits. But it's interesting. I, I've seen your uh, your social media posts and you were kind enough to, to give me sort of a rundown of all of this, that the passengers actually jumped in to sort of help fill the time and keep other passengers entertained on board the ship yeah the the cruise director and his assistant the host hostess they came up with some activities and normally we would have a coffee chat in the morning and coffee chats before were um staff people and entertainers and stuff and then it turned into the guests and the cruise director would interview and you, you volunteered three or four people a day would volunteer to go up and tell about something about their life or a trip they'd been on. I did it twice because one time I talked about the Northwest Passage trip that Malcolm and I did. And then I did it a second time and I gave 10 to 15 minutes promotional talk for the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Museum where I volunteered. And I had slides and I Joe Crane had supplied me some material to make a speech. And I did, you know, I gave that presentation. I thought, I said, I've got a captive audience here. <laughs> Yeah, and they're from all around the world, and we get visitors from all around the world. And I thought, what better to do 
To, to me, yeah. the most remarkable part of this, though, is what happened when you got back to Hawaii. You mentioned you were supposed to stop at Hilo. You didn't get, now this is the United States of America now. You're Americans on yeah. board this ship, and they're not letting you off the ship in the United States. Tell, tell us what happened at, at Hawaii. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're told we're going to Hilo, um, and uh, about three days before Hilo, the the local people, I, I believe, from reading their newspapers, which, you know, you can do online, um, did not want us to come. They they saw a cruise ship. They saw coronavirus. Even though they were, were saying there's nothing, Hilo turned us away. They said, go to Honolulu. Honolulu said, okay, because by that point, we do need some more fuel and supplies. Now, trust me, we were not going hungry. Um, you know, the worst that ran out was the lettuce and the tomatoes. And so we were fine. Um, Honolulu said, okay, come and dock. Well, we, we, we'll, we, they thought we could get off. Well, and then the governor later said, no, you can't get off. But you could get fuel and you could get supplies. And so we actually docked. And Malcolm and I had a cabin that overlooked the dock. And we could see all the people there and customs people and medical people and police people. And we watched. Um, for about five or six hours, what was going on. And we knew there was discussions about letting us off, and we were prepared to get off. We'd had a night like a normal disembarkation night, packing your cases and putting them in the hallway, you know, and everything like that. And we're watching and we're hoping the negotiations are going on. The governor's going to change his mind. And we can see supplies being loaded and talk with different people, although our our people never... Um, physically mixed with the locals, but they let off, they did let off the six Hawaiians that lived there and two people that had medical issues. And then Malcolm and I are watching and all of a sudden we see a police officer come up to the rest of the group, say something, and the police officers took off their plastic gloves, threw them in the trash bin, and we looked at each other and said, that's it, we're not getting off. (laughs) And it was kind of like, oh, our hearts just sang. I bet. we We were sort of prepared for that because you know, we knew the governor had already said no, and we just were hoping that the negotiations would go through, but they didn't. And, and so like, you stayed on the ship, had to go on then to San Diego. Did did you know yeah. for sure they were going to let you off in San Diego? <laughs> Not well. You know, um, the captain had captain said, we have to have a place to go, a port that will accept us before I'll leave Honolulu. So San Diego said yes, and so... Again, we believed San Diego, but we're all in the back of our mind going, what if we get there and San Diego says no? (laughs) And so you kind of have that little thought. This would be a great movie, though, you know, people on a cruise ship (laughs) that just has to sail around forever and nobody will let them off. But fortunately, Uh, that that isn't how real life worked. So you did get off and then you were able you were able to then fly back and and make your way back uh, home to Springfield. How weird was that? I mean, I've seen uh, shots of people on airplanes where the planes are virtually empty. Was was anybody flying? um, The when we got off in San Diego, there were a lot of ground people and they just would not let us out of their sight. I mean, they absolutely directed us to where to go. We got to the airport. Check-in line was very small. TSA was very strict, about the six feet. They had tape on the floor, and you didn't do anything else. The plane from San Diego to Dallas was fairly full, but there was, you know, the middle seats were empty unless you were a family. And so the, the so 
it was not a full plane because, like I said, we always had this seat in between. But the plane from Dallas to Springfield only had eight passengers, and I believe that's about a thirty-passenger airplane. Wow! So they kind of they spread us out. You know, you two sit. We can sit opposite each other, and then you two back about four rows, and you two and you two. And did they take they your had... temperature before they let you on the plane? No. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a, uh, really? I, I, no. I would have thought they might no. have done that. So, no. me, and Barbara, I'm almost out of time here. Before I let you sure. go, let me let me just ask sure. you, uh, is the cruise line going to refund any part of your trip? I mean, it wasn't what it was supposed to be, and I realize that's not necessarily their fault, but uh, are they going to do anything along those lines? And are you going to take another cruise ever? <laughs> um, to answer the first question, um, yes, while we're on the ship, they actually gave, because our second cruise was not a cruise, they had actually worked up what our offer was, and we could take a future cruise credit, which was, um, actually, if you're going to cruise again, it's an extremely good deal, or you could say, no, I don't think I'm ever going to cruise again. Give me back my money. And even though they offered you some future cruise credit with that, at worst, you got your money back. Uh, to, the, to answer your second question, Malcolm and I just put in our option. We took option one. We took all the future cruise credits we could get because <laughs> we've got another cruise booked in November, and we right now are planning to go to South America in wow. November. Wow. So. Well, I, you know, I, I admire your tenacity and I admire your resilience and I especially admire your optimism in, in all of that. <laughs> Mostly, though, I'm just very happy you're back home. It is wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for Thank sharing you. the story with us. And, and and by the way, you're you're self-quarantining now, even though you've had no symptoms, yes. no ill health whatsoever. You are self-quarantining just to play it safe with everybody. Because of the day between San Diego and here. The three airports and the two airplanes. Yes. And I hop in my car and I say, went over to Malcolm's and run in because if I've got it, he's got it, you know, already. (laughs) And then, so he's the only person I really come in close contact with. Yeah. Wonderful. Barbara, listen, thanks so much. Give Malcolm my best as well, but we really appreciate your time. Great to talk to you. Thank you.